Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to another week of Ghost of a Podcast. This week's question comes from Fourth House, and she says, First of all, so much gratitude for the work you do. I have truly gained so much from your wisdom since the dawn of Ghost of a Podcast. Not enough words to express. Thank you, thank you. And to that I say, you're welcome, you're welcome. The question goes on to say, my question centers around the fourth house, roots, home, family, mother. I'm a Cancer sun with a Jupiter conjunction to that sun and a Mercury living there. And oftentimes I feel extremely at odds with the themes of the fourth house. I barely know how to think about it. I just hear or read the words describing the fourth house and I think, no, that is not me. This feels especially resonant as I feel like collectively we're examining much of what it means to be from a traumatized family and looking or trying to look at the ways we might begin to recover or repair that trauma. Through understanding and recognizing that I want to be an active part of that collective repair process, it feels important to me that I clarify around home and nurturing in my chart. Is it right to feel like an anti-mother when there's so much sitting in the fourth house? And the fourth house was born on June 30th, 1978 at 1.22 a.m. in Natchez, Mississippi. I may have said that wrong, but that's what it looks like. Natchez, Mississippi. So this is a great question and it touches on a lot of things. The first thing I want to speak to is gender, parenting, motherhood in the birth chart. So yes, you will look around and see a lot of astrology texts that will say to you that if you are a Cancer, you should be a mommy and you should want to be a mommy. Or if you have a lot of planets in the fourth house that inclines you towards parenting and family, a lot of people will see, as you named, that Sun-Jupiter conjunction in Cancer in the fourth house. And it's not just in Cancer in the fourth house, it's on either side of the nadir. It's on either side of the lowest point of the chart, which is the fourth house cusp. You also have that Mercury in the fourth house in Cancer. It's a lot of Cancer stuff, right? And the textbook definition of those things, they would absolutely line up with you, you should be a mom, parenting is so important to you, family is so important to you, you're clannish, right? But here's the problem with looking for quick or easy answers through astrology. And this is not just a problem I'm saying for consumers of astrology content, but for those of us who create astrology content. There's only so much you can describe of a birth chart in a given blog post, uh, article, or even book, right? Or podcast episode. There's only so much we can articulate because the reality is, and this is such an important piece of astrology, that we are not our planetary placements alone. That kind of perspective around astrology, it's kind of got new car smell on it. You know what I mean? It's not how it works. We are the synthesis of our birth charts. We are not just the pieces. And so, you know, what you might find is that individual blog posts or maybe astrologers who haven't spent many years consulting with clients to see how charts actually play out, right, might give you that kind of take. But let me set it straight. The theme of mothering is the theme of trying to nurture and care from 
by being a supportive agent, in my view anyways. It's not about procreation and it's not about even necessarily raising a human child. Your birth chart has a lot of things, a lot of things that indicate that you would not want to parent and that you would not want to procreate. Uh, You didn't stipulate if you are a cis female or not, but you would not want to procreate and that your relationship to family would be heavily loaded and really impactful in your life. So let's go. Having a Sun-Jupiter conjunction in Cancer on its own indicates being really nurturing and family-oriented and having a great family life. You come from a family that really wanted you. You know, you were, you were a child that was desired and you were loved. Here's the damn rub. Sun and Jupiter are both opposite your midheaven and your midheaven, Sun, and Jupiter are all squared to the planet Pluto and to your descendant. So you have a Pluto descendant conjunction and all this is in the mix. And what this indicates is that for you, even though you probably were a desired child, like a child that was truly wanted, there were stipulations and controls in your childhood about who you were supposed to be and how you were supposed to show up for others, what you were supposed to do for everyone else. There's a way that your chart indicates that your parents or guardians insisted that their way of parenting, expressing love, expressing boundaries, um, you should be grateful for it. And if it didn't work for you, which looks like it absolutely didn't, uh, that it, that was on you. That was a problem with you, not a problem with them. So they had this expectation that you should take care of them because that's what they wanted. Now, of course, children should be cared for. It is not a child's job to care for their parent. I can't say this firmly enough. It is a parent's job to care for a child. It is a damn job. It's a hard job, but that's the job. And it doesn't look like you quite got that. So you may have had the appearance of a strong parent or guardian or strong parents and guardian or guardians, but that doesn't mean that you had the reality of it. There was a lot of control and punishment stuff in your childhood. And that makes the fourth house an unsafe feeling place for you. Because Pluto in your birth chart does not only square your midheaven, it does square the IC. So it really is important for me to acknowledge that the IC midheaven, right, those are two really important points. The thing about these two points is they are related to um, inherited conditions. They're related to our family of origin, okay, and our early developmental environments and expectations placed upon us, all that kind of stuff. So having Pluto squaring those points indicates unrest within your family and that your parents potentially within their relationship to each other or your guardians in their relationship to each other it was really tumultuous and painful and that you had to bear the brunt of that and you weren't allowed to have your own feelings around it and so add to that that you have a uranus moon opposition you have uranus in the seventh house and the moon in the first house and your moon is conjunct chiron so chiron is involved in the opposition to uranus and this indicates that your desire for freedom your desire for autonomy your desire to be at the helm of your own healing and to not have to do it through relationships but instead to be able to figure out how to do it for yourself is really strong and this sits in cross purposes to parenting actually looking at your birth chart all of these things would tell me that you would not be interested in procreating 
or parenting. And I want to just say, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, I see procreation, the desire to procreate or the need to procreate and the desire or need to parent as really different things. Some people have one and not the other. And in your chart, I see neither, my dear. And that doesn't mean that you don't like being there for people or that you don't like kids even. Although eh, you've Saturn in the fifth house. I can see you going either way that way. The point is for you having a life where you have a lot of space at home and even within your personal close relationships where you can redefine what self-nurturance looks like, that's what your chart wants of you. Now, let me go to that Saturn in the fifth house. You have both Saturn and Venus in the sign of Leo in the fifth house. So the fifth house is related to children. And it's also related to fertility. When people have Saturn in the fifth, in my experience, they either don't want to procreate ever. <laughs> this can be an indicator of endometriosis or an endometrial style of menses if you're a person who menstruates it can make it difficult or painful there can be a lot of cramping and contractions around your cycle it also indicates that if you are to have kids you are more likely to do it later in life so over the age of 36 which you have crossed that threshold you're now in your 40s right but the idea that you would have kids before that probably would not have come up and certainly I wouldn't expect it personally to ever come up. But again, you know, there's a lot of ways of embodying a birth chart. There's a lot of configurations of planets. And so it's, I would not say everyone with Saturn in the fifth doesn't want kids or can't have kids or even has a lot of cramping with their uh, menstrual cycle. But what I would say is that these are strong potentials and it depends on the concert of the chart and not just the single instrument of one planet or one planetary placement. Okay. Your chart has two beautiful grand trines, lovely grand trines. And grand trines are when you have uh, three or more planets and they're all in the same element and they form a trine to each other. So they're all trining each other. And it indicates a great benefic flow of energy. So you've got that Chiron moon conjunction trine to Mars and all those three planets are all trine to the midheaven in Capricorn. Okay, so it's an earth trine. You also have Neptune, the Ascendant, and Venus, all in fire signs, trining each other. Nice, tight, grand trine. And what the combination of these two grand trines indicate is that you thrive when you're able to really spend time alone fortifying yourself, tending to yourself, nurturing yourself, caring for yourself. And then you are able to transmute that energy into work, into service into action. And it is likely that your work life is a really big deal for you. And it is a place where you are able to channel a lot of your happiest energies. What does that mean about the thing you asked me about? Your small stellium in cancer in the fourth house, right? What does it mean about that? Well, in some ways, it doesn't mean anything. It means these things coexist at the same time. It means that through actively engaging through giving yourself permission to carve out alone space and sacred relationships with individuals as opposed to like hanging out with lots of groups of people, you know, having sacred intimate relationships with people. Those are ways that you nurture yourself. And those ways of nurturing yourself can lead to the healing of family trauma, inherited trauma, 
and whatever mixed feelings you may have around your own chosen family, your own chosen home life. Now, my hope for you is that you have animal friends in the house with you. And that's because having someone to care for is actually really fortifying for you. It feels good. So, you know, having a dog to walk or a cat to talk to, you know, these, this is a very good thing for you. But I want to just really firmly and clearly say, yeah, of course, don't have kids. I mean, you know, TikTok anyways, right? But I wouldn't see any reason for you to feel that you must have children because of your fourth house or because of your cancer placements. And that brings me to something that I want to say to budding astrologers and astrology students. It is really dangerous to look at one point in the chart outside of the concert of all the others and advise a client or advise a friend based on that one thing. But it's tempting because you start to study, I don't know, like Pluto or, or the moon and you start to freak out because of how incredibly helpful it is and how much data can be extrapolated by learning about that one planet or that one like aspect configuration, whatever it is. This is why astrology is so damn cool because there's so much information we can gain from it. The downside is you can then stop your investigation or uh, kind of have too simple of an equation. The reality is we are each of us. We are universes, you know, unto ourselves. We are so complex and so layered. And astrology is the math of that. It's kind of like looking at someone's hard drive, but you can't just look at a part of the, the code and feel like you understand the whole code of a person. This is this is an engineering metaphor. I don't know if that works for you, but I just, I'm in the Bay Area, so that's what I'm doing. That's what's happening. Anyways, I hope that's helpful. I want to give you one last word, my dear fourth house. The fourth house and Cancerian energy is internal. It is a deep well of feeling. And it is a place where we need privacy. It's a place where we need self-reflection, uh, self-reference, so that we can achieve self-appropriate self-care. And from those efforts, the fourth house is where we can invite others in, in a healthy way, so that we can love them in a way that actually fortifies us as well as them. And we can ask for love in ways that actually feel like love to us. Think of the fourth house as the location in the birth chart where you can come home to yourself, where you can center belonging to yourself. And don't worry so much about what that means you're supposed to do with or for others. Abundant Beginnings Collective is a Black-led community education and empowerment initiative. For over a decade, Abundant Beginnings has been organizing the Forest Freedom School, its summer camps, after-school programs, and teach-ins to cultivate activist youth, conscious educators, and empowered parents. Abundant Beginnings Collective is raising money to grow, implement, and share their social justice curriculum, resources, and tools so that Black and brown children all over the U.S. can see themselves as the brilliant, powerful, and generous beings that they are. Your donation will go toward providing tuition, free schooling for Black and brown families, support ABC educators, developing and distributing curriculum, and purchasing land to expand their visionary programs. Support the Abundant Beginnings Collective by donating to their fundraiser and invest in in the next generation of activists, leaders, and revolutionary thinkers. Donate at AbundantBeginnings.org and follow along on their journey on Instagram at 
Abundant Beginnings. My loves, you know, I, I really struggle to find the words to say this week. Another group of cowardly, violent white supremacists shot another black man, this time from behind and in front of his small children. And another violent white supremacist allegedly shot people who were standing up to demand justice for Jacob Blake, but also, I mean, my God, against this violent, anti-Black, racist, white supremacist system that we are all living in. And this fucking young person killed people. I don't have the, I don't have the words, you know, I don't have the words to say, this is just a heartbreaking, devastating time. It is not new. Things are, things are worse in many ways in some ways, maybe they're not. But it is really important that we all understand, uh, in, in the words of Brie Newsom Bass, that the civil unrest that we are seeing is a byproduct of the collapsing state, and it is not the cause of that collapsing state. You know, astrologically, what has been happening throughout 2020, and what is yet to come next year, is really pressing If it feels worse and different than before, it's because it is (laughs) worse and different than before. And the veil has been lifted on so much hatred, so much violence, so much ugliness. But it was already there. It was always there. When people are frightened, when people are in a state of fear, they are most likely to let their most unhealthy, unwell, unwise, even least critical impulses Now, I don't mean critical like tearing someone down. I mean critical like objectively processing through data uh, emerge. And we are simply seeing how so many white people are looking at the outrage, the heartbreak, the devastation, and the calls for change, for transformative justice. And all they're seeing is people angry in the street, causing destruction to buildings or garbage cans or whatever the fuck. It is really just so fucking important that we understand that human life and human dignity is way more important than stuff. And that we understand that so much of the civil unrest that we are seeing is a gateway to change. Now, unfortunately, we are also seeing a highly armed populace of white supremacists, Nazis, call them whatever the fuck you want to call them. And what they want is violence. And what they want is us to be too scared to go out. And what they want is power. And what they want is so ugly that it's hard to look at, you know, but it's really important that we do look. And it's very important that in this period that we do more than talk to people, that we talk to people. That's so important. Talk on social media, talk to people, you know, but we must do more than that. You know, we, we must show up. There's love and there's light. And I uphold those two things with all my heart. They're such important things, just like thoughts and prayers are. They're also important. But love and light without action, love and light without backing it up with repeated action, it's masturbation. And honestly, I'm very pro-masturbation. 
but it's it's in this context not enough so make sure that you're finding ways of participating in the system in the system in a state of collapse you know and we are in a system in a state of collapse our sense of control our sense of security our sense of predictability as a society is deeply disrupted and it was meant to be from an astrological viewpoint it could be no other way so as things are disrupted as things are somewhat unpredictable and as of yet unwritten how will we participate how will we show up i don't know how you'll do it i'm not even sure how i'll do it but it's really important that we strive to figure it out and as i've said on the podcast before i don't encourage you to look to your birth chart to figure out what your special way is I instead encourage you to look to the activists, the organizers, the politicians who are doing things now, who've been doing things. Look at their calls to action. Don't reach out to them as an individual to be like, tell me what to do. Look at their calls to action. Educate yourself. Participate. Any kind of social revolution absolutely occurs from brave individuals and brave movements and these like bolts, right? These massive things that happen. But it also occurs in a mundane way. It's repetitive action from masses of people over the course of time. It's both. Do what you can, but do. Do in the material world because these are material crises. White supremacy, systemic white supremacy it is not just a thought and it's not just an energy and it's not just a feeling, although you better believe it's all of those things too. It is a systemic, institutionalized, legalized, massive amount of problems. And so we must approach the healing of those problems, the healing of this sickness in society in material ways. It's really important that you hear me say this. And I get it. I've probably said it before. But I imagine that your heart is breaking as mine is. I imagine that you are overwhelmed as I am. And it is really important that we tend to our grief and we tend to our overwhelm. And it's important that we care for our hearts and center self-care, you know, emotional and spiritual care for our communities. But it's also important to remember when you cannot be hopeful you can still be determined. When you have no faith in the system, you can still be determined to do what is right, not because you believe it'll necessarily work, but because it is right. That is, for me, a guiding principle in my life. It's really kind of what keeps me going. And if you hear me say this and you're like, yeah, but where do I fucking begin? I, I can barely do a damn thing. Start really small. Start as small as you need to, but start. So all of that said, my sweet friends, I will tell you this. I haven't decided if I'm going to drop the Mars retrograde episode on the 2nd of September or on the 8th of September, but it is coming soon because of course we are in the shadow period of the Mars in Aries retrograde and it is directly related to so much of the violence and the anger that we are seeing now. So I will be sharing that content very soon. Get ready, giddy up as we do. Now, to your horoscope, we are looking at the week of August 30th through September 5th of 2020. I don't want to blow your mind by telling you there's a lot going on. Of course, there's a fucking lot going on, right? 
On the 30th, we start off the week with a Venus opposition to Pluto and a Mercury opposition to Neptune. Okay, so these two transits are both exact on the 30th. We will feel them for a few days building up. And a few days afterwards, they will coincide with the full moon on the 1st. I will get there. So Venus opposite Pluto. Venus is your values. Pluto is transformation. Venus is intimacy and relationships. And Pluto is compulsion and resentment and destruction and healing. This particular transit may find you obsessing on some things. It may find you uh, scrolling through old messages or past exchanges with people or somebody's social media account. It can find you just basically obsessing on what causes you pain. In regards to personal relationships, it can be a time where you are reactive from a place of great pain or shame. And the problem with that is that if it is an unexamined reaction and you allow yourself to react out loud with others or to others, whether they're strangers or people in your personal life, you may find that what you do essentially creates the very thing you're trying to evade. Be present with your reactions. Understand that Venus opposition to Pluto is triggering patterns, not brand new events. You might actually experience what seems and feels like a brand new event, but it is in some meaningful way connected to a pattern. And that pattern of coping, understand this, my loves, is directly related to your values, how you care for yourself, what you value in yourself, what you actively choose to consent to in dynamic with others, what you believe you deserve. In some ways, the latitude you give to either yourself or other people in the face of destructive behavior or abandonment issues. So when I say abandonment issues, Pluto governs them. And what that might look like is you might be feeling abandoned, like people don't care, people aren't there. Uh, they're not showing up in the way that you want or need them to. Also, other people who you are close to might be feeling that way towards and about you. This is a great time to be investigative of your own feelings but not jump to conclusions. Not a great time for processing. Venus opposite Pluto is not great for processing, but on top of it, Mercury is opposite Neptune. That is tragically bad for processing. If somebody tries to process something personal with you, my advice is to say, you know, uh, this is not a great time. Can we schedule a time because I want to listen and I want to show up, but I can't do that right now. And if that person does not respect your boundary, that's great information for you to have about that person. And you should still hold your fucking boundary. Like I was saying in a different context a moment ago, we don't hold boundaries so that others can respect them. I mean, that would be, that's ideal. We want other people to respect our damn boundaries. We clarify and assert our boundaries so that other people know what lines we are going to protect, right? So you're responsible for your own boundaries. And the combination of these two transits will make it very hard to do that. Mercury opposite Neptune makes us feel victimized. You know, Neptune governs victimization and, and feeling like things are happening at you and to you and you have no power or control, while Pluto is all about power and control. Mercury opposition to Neptune can indicate that we misunderstand things. We say them in a funky way. Uh, your anger quickly converts into exhaustion or overwhelmed sadness, like crying uncontrollably. This is a really 
really intense combination of transits. I'm so sorry. It's not great. What is well starred, if you can focus yourself, spending time alone on purpose, alone in your thoughts, alone in a room, ideally, and really investigate your own feelings without looking for an answer, without looking for a fix, but actually being present for yourself. In other words, to actively choose the opposite of abandoning yourself. If you can do that, this can be a surprisingly transformational moment. And I say moment, it's several days exact on the 30th. In order to truly trust yourself, in order to truly believe in yourself, you must stop abandoning yourself. Stop choosing others at the expense of yourself. And that, my loves, is a practice. And if you figure out a way to do it this week, yay, the universe will eventually be like, cool, so you learned it on this level. Let's give you a harder pitch and you'll learn it on another level. That was a baseball metaphor, by the way. Hard pitch, soft pitch. That's all my baseball metaphor as well. I mean, I know about pitcher and catcher. Do you? Anyways, okay. These transits are likely to just make you feel so overwhelmed that it's hard to know the healthiest way to be in your feelings. It might feel really intolerable to be in your feelings. So I want you to be gentle with yourself, okay? Because these are some rough, rough transits. On the first, as I mentioned, we have a full moon. It's happening at 1022 p.m. Pacific time on the 1st of September at 10 degrees of Pisces. And so we have the intensity of emotions coming to the surface. Now, the sun in Virgo is very much about discernment. And the moon in Pisces is very much about feelings and intuition. Because this full moon is, of course, encompassed by those other two transits, it's bound to be intense, my loves. It's bound to be intense. I think of this full moon as a crisis in faith. This is a crisis in faith that is one worth engaging in. And when I say faith, I mean, I know that faith is often talked about in the context of religion. I'm not talking about it religiously, although that might be the issue you personally are dealing with. Faith is about belief and it's about an investment in what cannot be proven. What you see in your life right now what you feel right now is evidential, right? There is evidence for, you know, I just went through a breakup or I stubbed my toe and my toe hurts, right? Those things are evidential. They are happening now and you have proof. They don't require belief. The truth is at every moment, we are connecting belief to the things that we are seeing, we are feeling, we are understanding, to the things we are remembering. We are assigning belief to those things. Really look at your relationship to belief in yourself, belief in the universe, belief in the power of collective change. I want to encourage you to look at your relationship to faith in a way that is discerning, but not critical. Okay, there's a meaningful difference between discernment and critical judgment. Discernment is investigative and judgment is looking for a hard answer. I encourage you away from looking for a hard answer because there isn't one not in the realm of faith. I want to encourage you to look at ways that you can choose to believe in yourself. And the only way to really believe in yourself is to belong to yourself. So what does it mean to belong to yourself? 
it's a complicated concept. It's one that I really want to encourage you to explore amidst all this social upheaval. At this moment where Mars is really activated in the world right now, in other words, anger and frustration and feeling blocked and feeling limited and feeling motivated is really activated in the collective. And here we have a Pisces full moon, which is tender and it is sensitive and it requires faith and it requires the willingness to choose to center wellness in a spiritual and emotional sense in order to sustain the road ahead, whether we're talking about this socially and politically, whether we're talking about this personally, it is essential that you are caring for yourself, that you are honoring your soul, and that you are allowing yourself to experience love and to experience joy, because those things are really foundational to resiliency. And we need to be resilient in order to create and sustain healing. When you are fighting for something, make sure that in your motivation structure includes what you love, what you choose, where your yes is. The reality is with this full moon and the astrology really for a a solid minute more now for a couple more months is that the Mars Saturn square that I mentioned in last week's horoscope is directly implicating everything else. It is activated. And so Mars square to Saturn, you know, as I said last week, it's like it feels like you're being blocked by circumstances. There's nothing you can do. So if you feel like there's nothing you can do, that is when we must turn to our spiritual self, our emotional self, our mental wellness, and cultivate greater strength in that so that we can have the resiliency within that we need in order to identify actions that we can take to move ourselves forward, to mobilize in a way that actually works. This full moon is likely to be a lot. And it's going to be really important that you tend to your feelings. Do not abandon them. And don't get upset if somebody else is tending to themselves in a way that actually means they're not there for you. Because this is impacting every single one of us. Now, Here's a fun fact. On the second, we have an exact Venus opposition to Saturn. So it's, again, a big part of this uh, full moon chart. It is a transit that really feels lonely. It makes you feel alone. It makes you feel stuck. Saturn, Saturn makes us feel stuck when it's in opposition. Oftentimes the way oppositions go is that we are in dynamic with someone else. So, you know, we are embodying one of the planets in the opposition and someone else is embodying the other planet in the opposition. So we have a full moon is in opposition. Venus is opposite Pluto. Mercury is opposite Neptune. And now we have Venus opposite Saturn. So this particular transit, like I said, it brings up loneliness. Venus is your values and Saturn is reality structure. This on a personal level can make you feel like the people you're with are not compatible with you. Or, you know, if you've been single for a minute, that is evidence that you'll always be single forevermore. This transit really makes the glass seem half empty. This transit makes us feel acutely aware of our patterns. But instead of that being empowering and kind of illuminating, Saturn's influence can make it feel really depressing because of the full moon and these other transits, it's not going to be easy. Now, luckily, at the same time, 
Mercury forms an exact trine to Pluto also on the first and the sun will form an exact trine to Uranus on the second. We also have on the third an exact Mercury trine to Saturn. So all these transits are influencing each other at the same time. What this means is that between the sun trying to Uranus, Mercury trying to Saturn, and Mercury trying to Pluto, we have support in figuring things out. But here's the thing that doesn't absolve us of having the feelings. It simply means if you choose to do the work, the work will flow. And what the work is, is using your pain, loneliness, confusion, whatever it is, as an inspiration or leverage point to do more self-work, to embrace yourself with greater kindness and empathy, and to even regard others with greater empathy and kindness. And I want to be clear, being empathetic to others does not mean consenting to their bullshit. It does not mean you accept their shit in your life. It doesn't mean you don't have boundaries, right? A big part of the work this week is looking at your boundaries and taking responsibility and authority over them, really owning what you can and can't, will and won't. But that Venus opposition to Saturn can make us feel like we don't have a right or it's mean. You do have a right, even if it's a little mean. You got to learn how to belong to yourself. And it's a damn practice over the course of your life. Now, on more of a social level, Venus is values and it's also money. And Saturn is the system. It's hierarchies, it's government, it's corporations, right? It's the male principle in a way, very differently than Mars. It's more of that archetypal daddy maleness than it is about classic male energy. And so we may see the culmination of something in society in relationship to the economy or in relationship to values in general. And you want to know that whatever happens on and around this date in this regard has been long developing. It's not brand new. On a personal level, what you can do is look at how you have been willfully ignoring it, how you've been participating, how you've been a part of it. Instead of lamenting these things, be interested in them so that you can figure out what is your truth and how to heal it, how to be a part of it, how to move it forward or stop it from happening, depending on whatever the fuck it is, right? This week is so emotional. It's so emotional that I am inclined to want to really focus on the personal because I think it will be very hard to sustain activism and hard work in the world if you are abandoning yourself in efforts to do it. I want to support you with this information to know the energetics of what is happening at this time so that you can prepare, you can create supports for yourself, and you can in some ways not personalize it because some of the things we go through, maybe many of them in life, they're very personal because they're ours and because they're happening to us. But then they're also not personal because they are being collectively experienced. If somebody's rude to you when you're, I don't know, crossing the street, it could be because of how they feel about you, but it's more likely to be because of how they feel inside of themselves, which has nothing to do with you. But it's super personal to you. It impacts you. It's your fucking life, right? It's complicated. And to be able to be in the complexity, in the nuance of it, allows us to heal more gracefully, to be in that full moon in Pisces vibe of being able to discern what's happening in the material world without abandoning our spiritual wellness, without abandoning ourselves. I got more astrology. I'm not done. On the fourth, Venus forms a square to Mars and Mercury forms a sextile to Venus. This is a lovely shift in energy 
honestly, neither of these transits are especially strong. I see online all the damn time that people love to talk about the Venus square to Mars, both natally and also by transit. I personally don't see this as a particularly strong transit. It is, you know, activating for relationships. Venus is the gatherer. Mars is the hunter. Venus is values and Mars is what we do with it. And when these two planets have tension between them, there can be either an abandonment of values to get shit done, or there can be an infusing of values in how we get things done right? So there's a tension there and it's dynamic. But in the context of all the other things that are happening, this would have to hit your chart uh, mathematically very directly in order for it to really do something to you, for you to really strongly feel it. Overall, these two transits are good for socializing and they're good for having a little bit of fun, having a little bit of spaciousness from the heaviness of what is happening within and around you. Now, the final transit of this week, and don't worry, I will run through all the transits because I know I just dropped a lot on you, is on the 5th, Mercury moves into the sign of Libra. So it leaves the sign of Virgo, where it has been supporting us and being very analytical and discerning and uh, really obsessing over details potentially, and into much more diplomatic and sociable Libra. The downside is Mercury in Libra is not the most honest per se, of all the transits. In other words, it makes us want to be diplomatic instead of straightforward, right? And direct. That's the downside. The positive is that it can be a time where you figure out how to communicate things that are kind of hard to say in a way that makes them easier to hear, right? So that's the upside of this particular transit. And one, I certainly encourage you to try to extrapolate and bring to the foreground. Now, As I promised, I'm going to repeat all of the transits of the week. On the 30th, we have a Venus opposition to Pluto, as well as a Mercury opposition to Neptune. On the 1st at 10.22 p.m., so might be on the 2nd where you are in the world, we have a full moon in Pisces at 10 degrees. We also on that day have an exact Mercury trine to Pluto. On the 2nd of September, we have a Venus opposition to Saturn, and another exact transit that day is a Sun trine to Uranus. On the 3rd, Mercury forms an exact trine to Saturn. On the 4th, Venus forms an exact square to Mars, and Mercury forms an exact sextile to Venus. And finally, on the 5th, Mercury moves into Libra. My loves. It's a lot. This is a time of great vulnerability. And I want to urge and support all of you to be patient with your vulnerability instead of in a rush to move past it or fix it or fix it for other people, right? To like come up with a theory, be in your vulnerability and understand that having the capacity to be in your vulnerability requires great strength. And if you can practice cultivating that strength and that capacity, it will serve you over the course of time and absolutely serve your willingness and ability to show up and do what's right, even when it's hard. Every year they say the end is near.